Hello there, my friends, and welcome to an emergency episode of Tangents Abound. Okay, um, I'm just going to uh, freeform this episode. There's no script, there's no um, uh, editing in this, there's not going to be any um, music, I think, maybe I'll throw in the theme, I don't know. This is just strictly my thoughts on the premiere episode of Star Wars The Mandalorian, which dropped today. Okay, this is my non-spoiler section. It is very, very impressive for a pilot. It immediately hooks you into the story. It does a lot of visual storytelling with showing and no dialogue. Um... It's 100% a Western. It's Star Wars at its finest. Um, there's a cliffhanger that will capture you, and that's all I'm going to say about that. And it really wants you to... The, the way the cliffhanger of this episode ends makes you really, really, really want to keep watching. And the fact that I have to wait till Friday for the next episode is excruciating. Okay. Also, it is worth the $6.99 for the um, monthly subscription fee, just on how awesome this one episode is. Also, real quick, the original trilogy has been changed again. <clears throat> A brief sidebar. The Han Greedo scene has been altered once again. Um... Right before, right after Greedo says, Japolska, there's another shot of him saying some words. Uh, I haven't seen it. I've just seen the gifs. And they add, so he has an extra added line of dialogue, and then he shoots first. Again, it, it, it's, it's, the rest of the scene plays out as we see in the Blu-ray version, but there's one little added frame of Greedo saying a word. It's not translated. I can only assume it means draw. So it's, again, the scene that just won't stop getting edited. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Alrighty, friends. <clears throat> again, go check out The Mandalorian. It's well worth your time. And you now have five sec... You now have 15 seconds to... Stop the recording right now. Stop it. I am not kidding, because in about... Five seconds, I'm going to spoil everything. You have five, four, three, two, one. You've been warned. Holy crap, this is an amazing show. I can't possibly contain myself on this. I'm trying not to spike the waveforms, but it's almost impossible. Um, oh, gee, mini by the force, I, I, okay, there, there's just so much to unpack here. Um, the opening scene that kind of we see in the trailer, we see the bounty hunt, the, the Mandalorian, I'm just going to call him Mando for short, and I think that's kind of what the internet's calling him, because we don't actually get the guy's name yet. Um, in fact, what we get, what little we know about him comes from this one scene we'll get to in just a minute or so. 
he shows off what a bounty hunter is, how he's not willing to take any crap from these guys who are about to not only take his bounty, but I'm pretty sure eviscerate him and sell his organs on the black market. And uh, he fights some really cool fight scene. Uses a door to eviscerate a guy in half. Um, remember the scene in the trailer of him wrapping a cable around a corn and dragging him through the doorway? Yeah, that ends with the door then shutting on him and cutting him in half. So we... It, it, most of it's off screen, but we do see like this, his legs thump a little bit. So it's PG Star Wars, but it's definitely skirting the line of what they can get away with in the, in the gore department. So uh, yeah. It, anyhow, we then see um, him and his. Sh he's taking his bounty to his ship. I, I'm being real brief because I don't want to. Um, I'm just trying to not spoil everything, but he travels to a ship. It gets attacked by a space walrus, which is awesome. And instead of doing what we would expect, you know, Boba Fett to do by just shooting the thing, he, no, he just, like, takes his, uh, his staff thing and just, like, zaps it a little bit with, like, a taser just to get the walrus off. He doesn't shoot and kill the walrus, which I think that says a lot about his character right there. Because the walrus isn't doing anything. He was just defending his territory. So we also find out that he's got a portable carbonite um, encasement machine thingy. Now, there has been a lot of debate in the community as to whether or not carbonite should be used for bounty hunting. Because it all goes back to Lando saying, Lord Vader, we only use this facility for carbon freezing. If you put him in there, it might kill him. I t and a lot of that debate then stemmed from the episode of Clone Wars where Anakin, Ahsoka, and a few other guys, I can't remember who, I'm pretty sure Rex was with them, all got encased in Carbonite where they were then to sneak through enemy lines while R2 and his battle droid squad, which I wish had survived that battle, that, they were awesome, um, s snuck through enemy lines because, you know, they couldn't detect the life forms because they were in hibernation stone thingies. So, I view it this way. Cloud City's f facilities probably were not the best. They were probably, you know, just slapdash, whatever they could put together to just freeze the best, the uh, Tabana gas. And, wasn't de and weren't designed for organic life forms. The ones the Republic used and the ones uh, the Mando uses obviously are designed for organic life. So that's kind of my headcanon as to explain that. If that if you're not okay with that, that's okay. Hey, Star Wars is fun. Um, so we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty. We don't have to science at all. We just have to say, okay, this is how it works. But we can both be wrong. We can both be right. That's the fun part of being a fan, is just having nice, calm discussions. Yes, we can get emotional, but as long as we don't start tearing into each other. Um, so, then we get to see him meet Apollo, and, <laughs> no, not, okay, I, he, 
it's Carl Weathers, but yes, he's always going to be Apollo Creed for me. And he gets this new, and he gets this, uh, he turns in his bounties, and the guy tries, and Apollo tries to pay him off with Imperial credits, which apparently are about as useful as Republic credits nowadays, because again, this is five years after Endor. So even so he actually then says well look i can give you these credit the this uh mon calamari type money but i can only pay you half the bounty and he takes it so he, that shows he wants nothing to do with the empire for some reason uh, we don't know what but he's refu i mean bounty hunting is for money you know we've always seen bounty hunters with the exception of a few in the clone wars usually are in it for the money. So for him to take a lower bounty, that, that says a lot about this guy. Again, it's showing, not telling, and leaving us, the audience, to fill in the blanks just on this episode. Will more be revealed as the series progresses? I expect it, but right now I can only judge it, judge the material, I should say, as to what I'm seeing right now. So he takes this job, right? And it's, so, uh, which is off the books because... Nobody wants to follow, I guess, these Bounty Hunter Guild rules. And this one job that actually is paying well is hush-hush off the books a little bit. So he goes, takes this job, right? And he opens up this uh, room, this locked room. Which, by the way, we get to see not only Jabba the Hutt's droid arm gatekeeper thingy again. We get to see a gonk droid in that scene. And... Kudos. I love those little Easter eggs. Oh, we also get to see a Kowakian monkey lizard roasted on a spit with his buddy just, like, doing the little porg thing. So, at once, I'm like, yes, I hated the I hated Salacious Crumb. But on the other, I'm like, ooh, yeah, these things are kind of sentient. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now having conflicting feelings on this. So, that's good storytelling. But, anyhow, he opens up this door, and all of a sudden we see stormtroopers. But these aren't pristine white troopers. No, their their armor is dingy. It's grimy. It's sandy. It's uh, these guys have I don't know what they've been through, but it ain't been walking down the hallways of a star destroyer. And we find that this imperial officer, warlord, high-ranking guy um, wants him wants to hire him for this bounty uh, on this target, who's about. A little hard to find, and all his information is about 50 years old, but it's the mo best information they have. We also meet this little scientist guy who wants the target brought in alive. This is important. And he kind of freaks out when the Imperial officer guy says, Look, I don't care, you know, if he comes in alive or dead, but if he comes in dead, you know, we're just going to pay you less. And the scientist guy freaks out. Like, hey, this isn't what we agreed. And the guy, Imperial guy's like, I'm just being pragmatic. A realist, you know. Bounty hunting's a dangerous profession. You know, anything can happen. So, the next thing we see just blows my mind because it's pure Mandalorian culture. The Mando goes into this, I don't know, guild hall... Mandalorian hall. It, it's just, it's cool. And there's Mandos all over the place. And it also makes me wonder just how many of those costumes were made by, were just 501st Legion fans. <laughs> uh, the, the Stormtrooper costumes too. Because <laughs> we are now at the point where I can 
question whether or not Lucasfilm's prop department had to actually go and make the costumes anymore for Stormtroopers and Mandalorians because of fan works. <laughs> Anyhow, he goes into this room, right? And we see, I'm guessing, the head clan leader. Um, it, it, it's obviously a woman. She, she does speak, and it's a female. And she's dressed in like this almost uh, Spartan-esque helmet. You know, if you took a Mandalorian helmet and mixed Spartan um, designs into it, that's what you would have. And she's wearing like this uh, kilt, armored kilt. And the reason is she's like this armorer. She makes the Mando armor. But the the whole payment that the Imperial officer guy did is offering them Beskar armor, which for those of you who don't know, is what the Mandalorian armor is made out of. Now, she, the armorer says, you know, we have lost this since, the, we haven't seen this much since the Great Purge. So, as we will find out in Clone Wars Season 7, the Empire takes over Mandalore a little bit for a while. And what does the Empire do? It strip mines everything of its most valuable materials. And Beskar steel is a special... St- or, um, or steel made on Mandalore. It's the only planet that in the Star Wars galaxy this kind of steel can be produced on, which is both blaster resistant and lightsaber resistant. So, it, the Empire probably took everything. They probably stripped mine the planet of what they could get. And now the Mandalorian culture is having to deal with the consequences. She says, oh, this little... This little slab down payment that the Imperial officer gives him just to, you know, entice the deal is about, I don't know, maybe six inches long by about two to three inches wide and maybe an inch thick. It's not a lot of steel, but they value it so highly. And the armor says, you know, that this is going to support a lot of foundlings. This is going, which are the Star Wars version of orphans. And Mando goes, that's good. I was once a foundling myself. And she goes, I know. And that this amount of steel you've given me, well, this this proves your worth. This proves your honor, your abilities as a warrior. And I'm going to make you a pauldron. Just one shoulder pauldron. So while she's making this armor and is forging it, and there's hammer strikes and anvil strikes, and she, it's just really cool. We get little flashbacks of him, of Mando as a child, maybe seven, eight-ish, during the Clone Wars. Okay, so we get that, again, we're going back to the trailer where we saw the, the droid hover ship and the super battle droids. Yeah, they attacked his village. So I'm guessing this is Battle of Mandalorian. Battle of Mandalore time, or Siege of Mandalore, which we will cover way more in depth in Star Wars Clone Wars Season 7, where Ahsoka and, yeah, I'm not, just trust me, it's going to be freaking amazing when we get to see that. Um, so he's an, he's an orphan from the Clone Wars. So again, we're getting backstory just by filling in these pieces of of what of the previous battles and she puts on his shoulder plate and it looks amazing so and who knows maybe as the season goes on he gets more armor pieces um maybe not i don't know but it's awesome then he lands on this planet gets attacked by a giant slug horse thingy called a blurg and nick nolte as an ugnot hey believe it or not it's it actually works um saves him and tells him look if you want to get to, I know about you guys, we get a ton of bounty hunters here looking all for the same thing, and every single one has died. So, 
I'm going to teach you what you need to know so you actually have a fighting chance. You're going to learn how to ride this space horse, slug horse thingy. And he goes, well, I don't need that. I need a space. I, you got a land speed? It's like, no, you need this. And I, my guess is these guys can detect technology a mile away and, you know, a blurg, a little space slug horse thingy can get to places, you know, modern tech couldn't get without setting off a bunch of alarms. So we get a pretty cool scene of Mando learning how to ride a space horse, space sorg, slug horse, which is way more interesting than the a very similar scene from Last Jedi. I gotta admit, this is a lot more interesting. And Nick Nolte's horse, you know, they, they, they arrive at this enemy encampment full of baratas and Nictus and Klatos. Basic, okay, basically all the bad guys from the sail barge, from Jabba's sail barge, they're here, just a lot more of them. And the Mandalorian and Mando offers, you know, him money, saying, hey, you know, thanks for helping me out. You earned this. And he goes, and Nick Nolte, Ugnot, goes, no, I just, I just want peace. As long as these guys are here, there's, the people living around here are terrified. They come here for peace. I heard, I've never met a Mandalorian. I've heard the stories. If you're here you should be able to handle this and the peace will return. That's my payment. And it, again, that's just showing this guy's character. He's willing to... I mean, do you think Boba Fett would go, oh yeah, hey, here's some cash for helping me. No. No, Boba Fett wouldn't do that. So again, we're getting a lot of this character and he's maybe said 20 lines in this entire episode so far. Maybe. I don't know. But it's all... But all the acting is coming through. The facial expressions. He's actually making a solid mask emote. Which is really, really, really impressive. So, anyhow... IG-11 starts walking into the encampment and... Kind of... Does some stupid stuff. And... Then they get an awesome team-up. I'm not going to go too much into that because I got it. It, it, this is the climax of the episode. It's just a huge gunfight, and it ends. <laughs> it ends with the guy, the bad guys bringing in a E-Web cannon, which, uh, for those of you who may not know, was that tripod blaster Gatling gun that the snowtroopers were sending up to take out the Falcon in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, we get to see it in action on this like little hover sled, and well, Mando manages to commandeer it and. I'm just going to say it's freaking awesome. That's all. Moving on. <laughs> the best way I can describe it is that scene in Red Dead Redemption 1 where you get the Gatling gun and just on the wagon and just start mowing everyone down in a, in a you know, the Alamo. It's not the Alamo, but, you know, it was, it was whatever it was. So if you played Red Dead Redemption 1, you know the scene I'm talking about. It's just freaking cool. So they get into so they take out all the bad guys and they find the bounty now the, ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen this this is this is to me the biggest reveal since no i am your father i am not even Jesting. I'm not joking. I am 100% dead serious. It's that highly ranked, in my opinion. Because not only... Okay. 
I have spoiled everything. But I haven't really gotten into the big twist. So, if you've stuck around with me and don't want to know that twist, I will give you an out right now because I... I am, I'm that nice. I'm giving you an out. In three, I, I'm going to give you a countdown, and then I'm revealing the twist. So you have three, two, one. So he finds this bounty in this little white ball container. It's, it's about the size of a beach ball. He opens it. A little clawed hand rises pushes down a blanket. We see a little silhouette of two long, thin, pointed ears. And Mando goes, I heard, I thought the bounty was 50 years old. And IG-11 goes, some species age differently. Some could last centuries or more. And then we get the face. Turn down your volume to save your ears. Ready for the reveal? It's a freaking baby Yoda! It's a baby Yoda and I am losing my mind! The, yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's a baby Yoda. Now it's obviously not a descent. I, well, I can't even say that. Okay. Okay, okay. I have had so many thoughts running in my head right now. But I got... I. But let me just finish this and we'll get into this holy beeping beep moment. So IG-11 says, It's a shame we'll never find out how long the this species lives because the contract was termination on site. Well, Mando is a little upset at this and blasts IG-11's head off and then it's so adorable he puts his little his little mando finger and his little gauntleted finger over the over the baby yoda and the baby yoda's claw reaches up to grab it and it's so freaking adorable i lose my mind and that's how the episode ends it ends with a baby yoda now why is this such a big freaking deal Okay, for decades, George Lucas has said Yoda and his race and his backstory are 100% off limits. Now, how Dave Filoni and John Favreau even were allowed to pull this off, I have no freaking clue. I don't know what horrific satanic acts they performed, but... God, it paid off. Um, now, part of why I think Mr. Lucas may have been, you can't go into the backstory, was he may not have even thought about it or written it. It's its possible. Um, and more than likely, likely. But the only... Uh, I just... I, I, I'm losing my train of thought now. The only time we have seen two there's only been two representations of yoda's race in star wars and both were jedi masters and one's the freaking grand master of the council so 
obviously this little kid is going to be insanely strong in the Force. Could he even hook up with Rey in Rise of Skywalker or in the post-Rise era? I don't know, but my mind is turning with all the possibilities. Now, where did this kid come from? Well, judging by the time frame, it's possible that it's a clone of Yoda. It's, it's possible. Because if you backdate, you know, you can't just start, well, Attack of the Clones. That's when the clones show up. No, you got to backdate 10 years before that to right around, right immediately post-Episode 1, where the, that's when the Communions first started making clones. So the timeline is a little screwy, but it's possible. I doubt it, though. I do, that, that, that's the, I seriously doubt. Because it was established in Clone Wars that they did try to clone Jedi, and they failed every single time. Now, the kid, I think, is just part of his race. So what is the Yoda's race? Well, there's a good headcanon theory going around from the fans that Yoda's race is the Wills. Okay, yeah, I and personally, I buy that. I, I, I think that makes sense to me, because Yoda's Yoda always seemed to be the most in tune with the force especially post fall of the republic and he and he went to exile and Dagobah and really got in touch with the force so yeah if he's a will i believe it now where did this kid come from it may not matter in the long run but this kid's got a destiny i mean just just the fact that we see an infant version of yoda's race has completely upended everything I could possibly think would be a cliffhanger. I mean, and this isn't even a numbered Star Wars movie. This is just the TV show, you know? So people who say, oh, the TV shows, those don't count. Bull, bull, bull. This is one of the biggest developments in Star Wars history, period. And I will go to my grave proclaiming that to the heavens. Just, and he's so adorable. He's got, he's got these little big puppy dog eyes and he's just like, oh, I want to hold him. I want the plushie. I want the plushie of the baby Yoda. And this is just episode one. There's just so much we can unpack, but I'm trying to keep this under a half hour or so. Just, ah. Uh, Man, I can't wait for Friday. I'll probably do a follow up just just because I want I I can't stop talking about this. I I need to know, and that's why I mean I'm recording this. I just watched the episode for the second time, and I started hitting record. I but I've been thinking about this and talking to my fellow two true freakers about it and trying to not spoil anything. Hope I am extremely sorry if. By whatever I said, I tried to keep my online postings to you spoiler-free, but if I somehow spoiled or ruined your enjoyment, I am so incredibly sorry for that. Um, and I want that on the record. Uh, just, oh man, just go out and watch it, guys. Just, you, that's all I can say. So, um... Just to give you also a little update, I'm working on, I am working on 
the second arc for Mobile Suit Gundam, the origin for uh, White Base Chronicles. So don't worry. Um, I've got the next three episode scripts finished. It's just real life has gotten in the way of recording and editing time. And, but I, I've got... I've got a backlog ready to go. I just have got to sit down, record, and edit. I did get some very nice constructive criticism from a friend. I appreciate that. I don't know if he wants me to name him on the show. But thank you very much, um, both your positive and negative. I appreciate both sides of the coin because if I can improve the show I and no one tells me how to what they would like me to improve, then what I, I don't want to keep making the same mistakes, you know. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to make the show better for you guys because you're the ones who are giving me your time to listen to this. So that's all I've really got to say on Mandalorian. I am actually physically exhausted right now. It's just I'm mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, and all I can say is this has got me the most jazzed in a long time. Not even... Force Awakens, and I saw that movie 17 times in the theater. I'm not, no, wait, 13 times. I'm sorry, 13 times in the theater. And Mandalorian's got me more jazzed. It's got me, this will lead to more discussions, I think, than the last Jedi debates did. This is going to, and this is just episode one. This is just 40 minutes of television that has completely altered everything we know about Star Wars. To some extent. And we've got seven more episodes. What more are we going to look forward to? I don't know, but the ride is going to be amazing, and I hope you all join me and watch this, and I'll see you all soon. There may be another emergency Mandalorian episode. I don't know if anyone on the Two Tree Freaks Network is going to do their own Mandalorian reviews. I don't know. I don't care. This is just too good. I'm going to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I'm going to, I need to talk about Star Wars, especially since we're wrapping up to the end of an era with uh, Rise of Skywalker. Okay, hopefully I didn't lose too much. I somehow bumped my microphone and lost track. So, um, we are approaching an end of an era with Rise of Skywalker, and I'm jazzed. I'm jazzed again to be a Star Wars fan. I'm excited. I can't wait to find out more about the Mandalorian, about his stories, about uh, Gina Carreno's character. I know I misspelled her name, but darn is she hot as a bounty hunter, and she's a rebel. So buckle up, friends. This is going to be one fantastic ride, and this is just the pilot. We've got a lot of hill to go before we even get on that downward slope on this roller coaster. Okay, my friends, this is your buddy, Aaron Henley, Wishing you a good day, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Signing off.